The Orioles are in an 0-2 hole and facing elimination. But if there's one thing we know from watching this 2023 Orioles season is that the O's are not done yet. But how can they dig out of this hole, win three games in a row, and somehow still advance to the ALCS? Well, I'll try to tell you how. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, October 10th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, We're going to take a look forward at this ALDS for the Orioles. Game three is tonight. The Orioles down 0-2. They got to win three games in a row to save their season. But they've done it before plenty of times. I'll try to tell you how they can do it again, climb out of this hole, beat the Rangers, and advance. Talk a little bit about Dean Kramer, what he can do tonight as he gets the start in game three. How the offense could potentially jump on the Rangers and Nathan Eovaldi early. And then just in general, one hitter who's been struggling who the Orioles really need to get going. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So we jump right in today. We know the circumstances. This could be the final podcast I record in 2023, in which the Orioles' season is still alive. They trail the Rangers 0-2 after losing 3-2 in Game 1 and 11-8 in Game 2 of the ALDS at Camden Yards over the weekend. And now the series shifts back to Texas, where Games 3 and hopefully 4 will be played here on Tuesday and Wednesday night. If the O's were to continue to advance and keep winning, it would be an off day Thursday before Game 5 returned back to Camden Yards Friday night under the lights. Now, obviously the Orioles are taking this with a one game at a time approach. Can't get to game four if you don't win game three tonight. But of course, it's hard to not think forward because even if the O's do win in game three, they're not out of the woods yet. They got to find a way to win three straight games. And they've dug out of holes before. This is an Orioles team that has not been swept since May of 2022, 93 consecutive series. Hopefully they can at least make it 94, win tonight, and keep the season going. This is a team that, when they've looked their most down, when they've lost the first two games of a series, specifically talking about, most importantly, that Rays series in September, they turn it around and just casually won five straight later in the month, won the AL East, but specifically in the Rays series, turned it around and won four straight, including the final two games of that series. And they got to do that again here to keep their season alive. But how can they do it? I'm going to get you three things that I think the Orioles need to do to somehow win three in a row and still come out victorious in the ALDS. And the first thing is they need a good and deep start from Dean Kramer on Tuesday night in Game 3. Orioles announcing on Monday that Dean Kramer would be the Game 3 starter. He was kind of the assumed starter at this point for Game 3, especially when we knew John Means wouldn't be on the ALDS roster with that elbow soreness. Most assumed, Bradish Game 1, Rodriguez Game 2, and Kramer Game 3, but he does officially get the nod. Dean Kramer, who had a 4.12 ERA in 32 starts this season with the Orioles, stayed healthy 
and really mostly got better as the year went on. He was great in the second half, stumbled a bit in early September, but in his two biggest starts, the two ones that would have been closest to a playoff game, Dean pitched pretty well. You go back to that Sunday game against Tampa, Orioles needed that one to stay ahead in the division. He goes five innings of one run ball, two hits, five Ks, and two walks. And then Kramer started the AL East clinching game last Thursday and pitched well in that one. Five and a third, no runs, two hits, eight Ks, and one walk in that one against the Red Sox. Those are two good offenses, Boston and Tampa Bay, that Kramer pitched against. Now, he had some starts where he really struggled in September as well. It was quite a roller coaster final month for Kramer. But he was really the steadying presence in the Orioles' rotation for a lot of this year. Now, Kramer has his drawbacks, as I have talked about on this podcast, and it was one of the reasons why, when I was putting together what I thought the O's roster would be for the postseason, I thought they should potentially start Bradish, Rodriguez, Means, and Gibson and put Kramer as like a Swiss Army knife in the playoff bullpen. Now, they couldn't do that because of the Means injury. But my concerns about Dean Kramer are he gives up a lot of hard-hit balls. And sometimes... That can really hurt you, especially in the playoffs, especially against an offense this good like the Rangers have. We've seen them hit the ball hard in the first two games of this series. It could blow up in Dean Kramer's face. I've talked about how he's like the world's you know, biggest game of Jenga sometimes, where it just feels like at some point he could pull out the wrong block and it all comes t- toppling down. I mean, he's walking on thin ice a lot of the times when he's out there because he allows so much hard contact. And it did come toppling down early in the season and sometimes in September as well. But he's still been good. Now for Kramer, we do have one start that we've seen from him against the Rangers this year. It was May 27th in Baltimore. Six and a third innings, three runs, five hits, five Ks, and two walks. Not terrible, right? That's a quality start. Pitches into the seventh, gives up three runs. Orioles lost that game five to three, but I would call that a good start from Dean Kramer. But when you dig into it a little bit more, it gets concerning. Rangers had 11 hard hit balls against Kramer. About half of them were hit over 100 miles per hour off the bat. And a lot of those hard hit balls were on the four-seam fastball, which is generally Kramer's number one used pitch. And it's a pitch that the Rangers hit hard against Grayson Rodriguez on Sunday. And they're going to be ready to do again on Tuesday against Kramer. Now, Kramer did throw more change-ups in that game against the Rangers than he generally throws. He was 14% changeup, trying to neutralize all the lefties in that order a little bit. And I would expect him to do some of the same here tonight in Game 3. But he's got to be really good. And here is the issue. Now, Brandon Hyde did say that it's all hands on deck in Game 3, which it should be. You can't get to Game 4 without winning Game 3 and keeping your season alive. So you got to have everybody ready to pitch. And that could include Kyle Gibson, who is, at this point, an option of a presumed Game 4 starter if the Orioles get there. It also could include Kyle Bradish for maybe an inning if you really needed him to keep your season alive. Basically, every pitcher on that roster besides Dean or besides Grayson Rodriguez, could throw here in Game 3 to help the Orioles get there. But Kramer, pitching deep, and I'm not talking about pitching eight innings, but at least getting through five solid innings and keeping the O's in the game would be huge for not just their chances in Game 3, but their chances in the series as a whole. Because yes, the entire bullpen got the day off, got the day of rest on Monday, the travel day to Texas, But the bullpen, as we know, was used a lot in the first two games. Four and two-thirds from Bradish and inning and two-thirds from Rodriguez in the first two starts. That is a lot of bullpen outs that the Orioles had to get. And it was coming off of five days of rest. The bullpen was ready to do it, and they get another day of rest Monday. But you don't want to go back to them that early again. Because if you do, the Orioles could still win Monday's or Tuesday's game. Even if Kramer can't even finish like the third inning, they could still win the game. But if they have to do that, 
once they would get to game four, I'm worried that bullpen would be so gassed after those three short starts that the series would be over after four games because it would just be too much against maybe the second best offense in baseball in the Texas Rangers. Now, you'd love to save Kyle Gibson, but if you have to use him, you have to use him. But if Kramer can get through five innings, you would have to think, unless it goes extras, Kyle Gibson is not pitching in this game. Kyle Bradish is probably not pitching in this game. And you have them both ready to go for game four, which would still be an elimination game. If Kramer can get through five, you can go to your relievers, which are still rested enough to pitch. Yinyar Cano and CNL Perez and Tyler Wells and Danny Coulomb are all going to be good to go. And D.L. Hall, who's had two days off after his amazing performance Saturday because he didn't even pitch in Sunday's game either. So you would have a chance here to go to your best guys. And if Kramer can get you five innings, even if it's like five innings of two-run ball from Dean Kramer, I think that would put the O's in a huge spot. Not just to go to the good bullpen, the good part of the bullpen, and lock down a win in Game 3, but set them up to start either Bradish or Gibson in Game 4, have the other one out of the bullpen. Yes, it would be Bradish on short rest, but if the season's on the line, maybe you go back to your best starter. And then have a good chunk of the pen still ready to come in after that. So if Kramer can just, and again, I'm not asking for seven or eight, but if he can just give him five solid innings. And hey, if it's a lucky five solid innings, if it's 13 hard hit balls, yet he escapes with two runs, I don't care, right? We're into the postseason. It's not about the peripherals anymore in the postseason. It's about the results. And if he can get him to that sixth inning to turn it over to the bullpen with the lead or at least the game close or tied, that is going to do wonders, wonders for the Orioles. And then you can set up that pitching moving forward so much better than if you have to dive deep into that bullpen to try and win the game on Tuesday night. But it's not just going to be about the pitching to try and come back and win this series, right? Like, I know the pitching was terrible Sunday, but you got to remember, Bradish and the bullpen were amazing on Saturday, and they still lost game one in that one. They're going to need more help from the offense. And it was bad Saturday, and it was good Sunday. Going to need a good version here on Tuesday. But specifically, I feel like they need to jump out to a lead. And they did it on Sunday and then gave it right back. But a big inning would be super helpful, right, for the Orioles? We'll talk about that coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Now the question is, what is Jace Medical? Well, first of all, they've got a main product called the Jace Case. It's got five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. And all it takes to get a Jace Case is you fill out a simple online form Jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians, and you can get ongoing care from those physicians as well. And Jace Medical, in general, it's simple. You go online, you fill out the form, then you get those prescription life-saving medications sent right to your door. And you can get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So for the Orioles, it is do or die at this point. They're down 0-2 in a best-of-five ALDS, needing a win tonight in Game 3 to keep their season alive. And I'm going through the three things I need the Orioles to do, and I think the Orioles need to do, to come back and not just stay alive tonight, but win this entire series. The first one was Dean Kramer getting somewhat deep into the game as he starts Game 3. The second one is, 
I think the Orioles need a big inning early in a game. And whether it comes on Wednesday or if they battle through, get a tight win Wednesday, even if it could come Thursday in game four if they get that far. Either way, they're going to need a big inning here. And yes, they did it somewhat a couple of times in Sunday's game, right? They got two in the first on the Aaron Hicks two-run single with the bases loaded. They got two in the fourth when they stayed in the game. They got three in the ninth on the Hicks three-run homer. And those are solid innings. But a couple of those came when they were down by a lot of runs. It was really nice to see Hicks get the two-run single in the first because it was the first time in, in, in game one or two that the crowd really got to explode. Then, of course, Grayson Rodriguez goes right back out there, gives up a five spot in the top of the second, and all that energy was gone. So a little bit of this is getting the big inning and then getting somewhat of a shutdown inning the next time you go out there. But even bigger than a two-run inning, I think would be huge here for the Orioles. And that's, I get that, right? That's like a pretty obvious thing to say. But the O's haven't really done it yet. They have barely led in this series. They only led at the end of that first inning. Remember, the Rangers had two runs on the board to tie the game at two in the second before Rodriguez even had recorded one out in the top of the second inning on Sunday after the Orioles spotted him the two runs. So really, when you think about it, they have barely led in this series. Just getting a lead for a couple of innings and settling down would be huge. First time to see it in the playoffs. And a four or five run inning like Texas had in the second and in the third on Sunday would do wonders for this Orioles team because not only would it take the pressure off Dean Kramer or potentially if they do it in game four, whoever's pitching then, but also it just gives you a chance to relax and know, hey, if I give up a home run to Corey Seager or Marcus Semien or Mitch Garver and it's a solo shot or a two-run shot, it's not the end of the world because my offense just gave me a big inning and gave me a little bit of cushion to work with. Because I feel like Bradish and Rodriguez somewhat were trying to be perfect with these razor-thin margins against this good Rangers offense. If the O's in the first three innings can put up a nice crooked number, three or four or five, a little bit of pressure off of Dean Kramer, right? Just to pitch a little more fluently, throw more strikes, not try to be so precise when he's out there on the mound. And here's the other thing. If you get a big inning like that in a playoff game, and maybe not so much in a game three when you're down 0-2, but maybe the O's win game three, right? And they get a big inning early in game four. Then the pressure goes right back on the Texas Rangers. They don't want to let that thing go to a game five. They don't want to let it go back to Baltimore. When you get a big inning off a starter in the postseason early in the game, generally that team is going to pull that starter like the Orioles did, pulling Grayson Rodriguez in the second inning Sunday because they just had to. Brandon Hyde couldn't let it get any more out of hand in that five-run second inning alone. And... I mean, the Orioles did a nice job against Jordan Montgomery on Sunday, right? Two runs in the first, two in the fourth. Like, there's a chance that, you know, they got one in the fifth off him as well. There is a chance that if, you know, Texas hadn't already scored nine runs, that Jordan Montgomery is out of that game in the fourth inning. Because if it's like a, you know, 3-3 game at that point, 4-3 game as the Orioles are taking the lead, they're probably pulling Montgomery because they feel like he's getting hit a little bit. He's walking some guys. He's just not looking super sharp. But because Texas spotted him a nine spot in the first three innings, Bruce Bochy could roll with him a little further. Now, he still pulled him in the fifth inning. But if that's a closer game, he's out in the fourth maybe or even earlier. And then you can get into this Texas bullpen. And I know Cody Bradford, the lefty, came in and did a fantastic job in long relief for the Rangers in game two. But otherwise, the Orioles have looked good against the Texas bullpen. I get that they didn't score against them, or at least the, the, the normal members of the bullpen in game one, but they got a lot of base runners there. Game two, 
Once they got past Bradford, they got hits off Brock Burke. They got the three-run homer off of LeClerc. This Rangers bullpen is by far the weakness of that team. If they can get into the bullpen, and I, and I get Andrew Haney right was pulled in the fourth inning in game one, but they then went to Dane Dunning, who's another starter. They didn't get into the real bullpen until the seventh inning. Game two, yes, they pulled Jordan Montgomery, but they went to Bradford, who's really another starter. Both times, once they got into the real relievers, they started to look good. If the O's can get a starter out in the third inning with a big run or a big inning here, then even if you have a guy like Martin Perez come in for the Rangers and you know pitch in bulk, or you know Dunning comes out there again and pitches a couple of innings, you're going to get to the real members of the bullpen, the back-end guys, maybe the middle relievers, their Brian Bakers, their Jacob Webbs, their Jack Flaherty's, because they've got some in that bullpen too. Trust me, we just haven't seen them yet because the Rangers have been playing so well. If you get to those guys, that's when the Orioles can tee off because that bullpen is not very good. Get yourself a lead for the bit. Get into the, the real mushy part of that Rangers pen. Like, get some more Brock Burke. Like, get to some Grant Anderson. Get to some Matt Bush or some Chris Stratton in that bullpen. Then you're cooking because those guys have all given up a lot of runs here this season. And that could help you maybe pull away in one of these games, right? Because then if you can pull away, really, then you get a good start from Kramer. Pressure's off. Maybe he can go five, six or more innings. And then maybe you can use Brian Baker again, but in a six-run game. Or maybe you can go back to Jack Flaherty for an inning where you don't have to worry about him giving up you know, one run and that tying the game or anything. That would be huge for the Orioles. And I get all of that is pretty obvious, but you're going to have to do it if you want to win three in a row and win this playoff series. And it would be nice if they did it against Nathan Eovaldi Tuesday night in Game 3. Eovaldi, the veteran right-hander, will be the Rangers starter. 3.63 ERA for Eovaldi in 25 starts for the Rangers this year, but really a tale of two seasons. He was really good through July, went down with an injury, missed about two months, came back in September, and Eovaldi was horrible in the month of September. Horrible. He went out there in the month of September, 20 and a third innings, had a 9.30 ERA, did have 21 Ks, but allowed 26 hits, walked 13, gave up seven homers in that stretch. He was horrendous. And then all of a sudden he flipped a switch in the playoffs. Pitch game two of the wildcard series against the Rays, six and two thirds, six hits, one run, eight Ks, no walks, clinches that series with a two-game sweep over Tampa. If the O.C. that version of Eovaldi, their season might be over. If they can get to him early like teams did a lot in September when he returned from the injury, that can be a different story. Now, these Orioles necessarily haven't seen Eovaldi a lot. Eovaldi did not pitch in either series between Baltimore and Texas this year, so he has not seen the Orioles in 2023. But this is a guy who's pitched against Baltimore a lot. You know, he's been with the Yankees. He's been with the Red Sox. He's thrown 97 and two-thirds innings against Baltimore in his career and has a 3.23 ERA. Like, he's been good against the O's. But Jordan Montgomery had a three ERA in 16 starts against the O's in his career, and the Orioles got to him on Sunday. These are a different Orioles team. They can get to these guys. Get to Eovaldi early, get him out, force them to go to Martin Perez, who might be their game four starter, and then force them to get into the mushy part of that bullpen. It would just be huge for the Orioles. But there's one final thing. I think the O's need to get going. And yes, I can talk about the offense in general and getting the beginning and putting the pressure on and making Bochi make more decisions earlier in the game. But there's one hitter who hasn't been the Orioles' number one offensive star this year, but certainly a guy they've counted on in big moments, 
who just has not come up big in any moments so far in this series. Tell you who that is and why the O's need him coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Now we know it's baseball playoffs time and it is a fun, fun time for Major League Baseball. October baseball is back and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to homers to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen the next at bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. So it's do or die for the Orioles. Backs against the wall. This is when they've been at their best this season, right? Down in a series, need to avoid a sweep, need to turn their season around, not playing well, desperately need a win. It kind of feels like that's when the O's have been at their best. But none of those situations has more pressure than this one because it's not just a sweep in the regular season if you lose game three. Your year is over. And after 101 wins and winning the AL East and shocking the world, you would go out with a whimper with no postseason wins. And it stinks that baseball is graded more on three games in the postseason than it is in 162 in the regular season, but that's where we are. It's an entertainment product. You're going to get narratives and grades more on the postseason than you are in the regular season. It is just how it is. But it's game three of the ALDS coming up tonight. Orioles fighting for their lives. An 8.03 p.m. Eastern time start on Fox. As I talked about, it's Dean Kramer for the Orioles. It's Nathan Eovaldi for the Rangers. O's trying to keep their season alive. And if you don't want to watch the Fox broadcast or you're out and about, you can still listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast with Kevin Brown and friends on the air with the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But in that game tonight, if the Orioles are going to win, I talked about how Dean Kramer needs to pitch deep, set up the pitching moving forward. Orioles offense needs a big inning early, get into that bullpen, start to wear down some of the arms for the rest of the series. But whether it comes in game three, or if the Orioles can survive this when it move to game four or five, at some point here, I, I pretty much guarantee this. The Orioles are not going to come back and win this series if they don't get a big hit from Cedric Mullins at some point here in these next three games. It has not been good for Mullins lately. It has not been good for him in the postseason. In the two games, he started both. He's 0 for 8 with three strikeouts and a lot of soft contact, not even really driving the ball at all. And Cedric Mullins just has not been good since returning from that groin injury for the second time. When he came back from the second groin injury, that was in early August, he has been quote-unquote healthy and in the lineup since then, but has just not been a productive bat for the Orioles. Since that time, when he returned basically in the second week of August, it's been 165 plate appearances for Cedric Mullins in August, September, and then the first day of October in the regular season. He's hitting just 190 through that stretch to finish the season with a 232 on base and a 353 slugging. That is good for just a 585 OPS. Essentially, through that time, he's been a similar, if not worse, hitter than Jorge Mateo, 
That is how bad Mullins has been in that stretch. 43 strikeouts to just eight walks in that 165 plate appearance stretch for Cedric Mullins. It has not been good. Mullins has been a great player for the Orioles. Amazing 2021, really solid 22. Actually ended 2023 because of that slump with a 99 WRC+, which meant he ended the season actually a below average, just barely, but below average hitter in Major League Baseball. And that's not how he was before that first groin injury. Mullins was having an amazing first two months. In April and May, he was on pace to be better than he was in the 30-30 season in 2021. Then he got injured, came back, was slow for about a week or so, then picked it up, then got injured again, and just never picked it up again when he came back from the second groin injury. And you have to think he's still fighting through something. Like, you can pretty much guarantee Mullins is still not 100%, but wanted to be back to help out this team. But here's the thing. Even as Mullins has struggled down this stretch since he's come back, he has still come up with some huge plays and some huge swings for the Orioles. Just think back to some of the O's biggest moments in August and September. A lot of them were Cedric Mullins, despite the fact that in basically every other moment, he was really bad at the plate. Now, some of this has to do with the fact that even with Mullins' struggles, he was basically the Orioles' best hitter with runners in scoring position all season, and that's on the team that led the league in batting average with runners in scoring position. He was like the best quote-unquote clutch hitter on baseball's clutchest team. That's who Mullins was, and it kind of felt like in innings one through seven, he wasn't much of a factor, and then when we got to the eighth and ninth inning, it was time for big swings from Cedric Mullins. I mean, think about it. August 13th in Seattle. He robs the homer in the bottom of the ninth. He hits the two-run homer in the top of the 10th to win that series for the Orioles. Just an incredible game, the Cedric Mullins game. Think back to, you know, September 2nd in Arizona. Hits a big go-ahead three-run homer in game two of that series. September 11th against St. Louis. Hits the huge go-ahead grand slam in that Monday night win. September 17th against Tampa Bay has the walk-off sack fly that gets the Orioles that just incredibly huge win that really led to them winning the division on that crazy 11-inning game on a Sunday. And then the very next night in Houston, September 18th, hits the go-ahead three-run homer in the ninth inning with the Orioles down to their final two outs to put the O's up 8-7 and get a huge win on the road against the Astros. And it almost kind of feels like those things that I named were like his only RBIs and his only hits of this stretch. I know that's not the case. He had others and even hit other homers. But he's come up with the big moments despite the slumps. So even if Cedric Mullins goes one for four tonight, I mean, he's going to get the start, especially against a right-hander in Eovaldi and the defense he brings in center. But even if he goes one for four tonight in game three, it feels like that one hit has got to be some sort of huge two-run homer late in the game to put the Orioles on top, right? He hasn't really carried them offensively, but a lot of the big moments this year, especially late, even with the struggles, have been Cedric Mullins. And a lot of the comebacks and a lot of the turnarounds in the middle of the season have been Cedric Mullins. It feels like if they're going to make the biggest turnaround and the biggest comeback of all, not all of it's going to go on him, but that big moment might have to be Cedric Mullins. And I think those are the three things the Orioles need to come back and win this ALDS. It's been done before. Ten teams in the Division Series era have come back from down 0-2 to win, to win a DS. Most recently, Aaron Hicks' 2017 Yankees did it against Cleveland that year. It can be done. But, going to need a deep start from Kramer. Going to need some big innings from the offense. And I think a big swing here from Cedric Mullins. But that'll do it for today. 
I will be back tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully, I am in your ears, in your car stereo tomorrow, talking about how the Orioles season is still alive with a win. But even if it's not, and even if the season is over, I'm still back with tomorrow's episode recapping Game 3 of the ALDS. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.